Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Happy to talk about our Catholic faith, always talking about our health here in the clinic because, you know, we got to talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health as well. Um, and at the top of the noon hour here, I want to welcome uh, my special guest, Stephen, Stephen Davies, who is a parishioner at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. And my listeners, as you know, if you've, if you've tuned in, you know that I've been, yes, my, uh, I'm still of the Roman Rite and, and my children go to Roman Rite Catholic schools, but I have been attending the Byzantine Church pretty much since the COVID pandemic because it didn't shut down and it kept our spirituality going. And now I am very much entrenched in our Eastern spirituality. Before we get started here at the top of the show, as always, let's pray the Angelus here at the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today, Amen. folks, I got my special friend here, um, <clears throat> Stephen, from church. Steve, how are you doing today, man? Doing well. How are you doing, Dr. Luis? Oh, pretty good. You know, can't complain. It's uh, nice. I know that we recorded the show, so it's a little early in the morning for us, but our viewers will, <laughs> and our listeners will be listening to this at noon at the noon hour, and it's great. And the reason I asked um, Stephen to come on the show is a little bit of a follow-up. Anybody who listened to the show last week, you know I was talking a little bit about masculinity and what it means to be a Catholic man today. Um, and I've got to say, Steve's the epitome of a Catholic man. What do you say, Steve? <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, that's the question of the day, though, right? Because if somebody says, I mean, somebody can come to us anytime at church and be like, well, you guys mm -hmm. are apparently Catholic men. What does that mean? And it's like... Mm -hmm. That's a big question, you know? I mean, yeah, so yeah. as we were talking a little bit about masculine traits, feminine traits, what does this mean? We attach the word masculine and feminine to it. But the reality is, you know, these traits really have to accompany all men and technically all women 
because they're just characteristics of who we are. But before we get into that topic, Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do? Um, and have you been uh, a Catholic your whole life? What's going on with you? Yeah, sure. So um, I am for work. I'm an audio engineer. So I work in uh, film and TV commercials, podcasts. So I'm the guy who does a lot of the sound effects and sound design and mixing and also composing. Um, so I've been doing that for, for many years. Um, I grew up Episcopalian and then in high school, I had a basically, you know, got saved at an altar call and, you know, went non-denominational. And then, um, when I was in college at Duquesne university in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, God called me to the, uh, Byzantine Catholic church specifically, and then became Byzantine and here I am. So it was, I mean, it's a very, it was a pretty wild journey, but that's, uh, the, you know, so, so back up a little, back up a little. Bit. Okay, well, this is really cool. You know, because again, this is where I think people will see a, a Catholic man or somebody's Catholic going to church, and they might just assume that we were cradle Catholics. Now, I was, I was just born into the church, right? So, cradle mm-hmm. Catholic, born and raised. My mom probably baptized me, no joke, like four days after I was born. Yeah, you know, now it's like kids <laughs> yeah. were like three months or months. Yeah. It was like I was born, you know, mid December, and I believe I was baptized before Christmas. So nice. Okay. <laughs> it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a long journey. Yeah, it was but a, you yeah. grew up Episcopalian. Yes. Um, yeah. And then you said that there was an altar call. So what, what, what was the Episcopalian church like for you? Now that you're Byzantine Catholic in particular, what does yeah. that look like? What does the Episcopalian church look like in comparison? Yeah. I mean, I can only really talk to it from what I know growing up at, you know, obviously it's, I think it's probably a little different right now, depending what Episcopalian church you go to, but, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't really like going to church growing up. Um, it's just something we did and, you know, went to church school, all that kind of stuff. So it was like, it was good, but I'm like, I'd rather, you know, be outside playing or doing other stuff. But I think it was, it was still good because, um, it was something consistent every Sunday. You know, my parents made sure we went every Sunday, both of my grandparents, uh, my dad's side were, uh, were Episcopalian and they were very into their faith. My mom's side is uh, Roman Catholic. And so I kind of had both, both experiences. Um, so you weren't a complete stranger to the Catholic church. No, no, but, it definitely wasn't. So, but um, would you but say it, in your household, like the Episcopalian church, like, so here's an interesting question for you, not to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but I'm just yeah, thinking sure. as, you're, as you're mentioning that, you know, you're going to church every Sunday, Episcopalian, mom's Catholic, was there ever a source of tension or a source where you, where your parents, where you could maybe tell like, oh yeah, like I got to definitely be Episcopalian or, or, or dad's going to be upset or, you know, mom, anything like that? Like, is there a no, big difference I, in the I don't think there, there was that at all. Um, I think it was later on where, when I would explain to, to my grandpa, my dad's dad, who's Episcopalian, like my whole journey or like when I had this kind of like conversion experience in high school and then Catholic stuff, like, you know, we, we talk about it and he would be, he's like, oh, you know, I wish I do prefer you to be Episcopalian, but I'm just glad you have a faith. So it's like, there wasn't really any tension there. And my parents were very supportive throughout all that, all my spiritual journey. And so there was never really like, you can't do this, or you shouldn't do that. Or so it was, it was very, yeah, just kind of, supportive of where I am in my spiritual journey. And, and growing up, there wasn't that tension. And honestly, I don't think I really knew there was much of a difference between Episcopalian and, and, you know, Roman Catholics. Um, so it just was, that wasn't really close, talked about. Right? Yeah. They're, yeah, I'd say they're, they're fairly close. Um, at least in terms of kind of, 
uh, the service, you know, mass or liturgy or whatever you want to call it. It's so there is definitely a lot of crossover. Like when we go to mass, we're like, oh, okay, I know that. You know, it's yeah, yeah, very similar. Episcopalian is essentially the American Anglican Church, right? So exactly, yeah. Henry the Eighth. We're looking at England. We see the Anglican Church, and we've always known that the Anglican Church is not too far off, other than they really Mm -hmm. wanted to get those divorces in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When Henry the Eighth time was around, he's like, we got to make sure we have this. Exactly. But he didn't. They didn't change too much. I mean, he took all the Mm -hmm. Catholic bishops with him, so the tradition of the Catholic Church really kind of went there. But obviously, with once there's a break, there's a a change. Here's Mm -hmm. an interesting question for you. So. Grew up Episcopalian. You said you had a conversion in high school. Now remind me, in high school is when you went non-denominational? Yes, correct. So not like non-denominational. Uh, some of my buddies and I, uh, we went to like, we went to a bunch of different churches. Like we would go to, so I grew up in Rochester, New York. And so we'd go okay. down to to the city, city, um, and there was mm-hmm. like these, you know, basically like black gospel churches where we were the only white kids there. And it was just (laughs) crazy gospel music, charismatic. It was just, it was out of control. And um, then we went, yeah, we just kind of like hopped all around. Um, But yeah, so it was, it was definitely, it was was a really great experience. And I'd say that conversion, uh, or I would now it's a encounter with Christ. Um, I mean, basically Mm -hmm. that I still draw upon that uh, to this day. Cause it's like, I remember- but what happened was for it, you? What was that conversion like for you? Or what happened? Or Yeah. Or, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned conversion, just from my perspective, as I hear mm-hmm. your story, you know, you're growing up Episcopalian. So in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, you're already a, a, a Christian man. You're already following mm-hmm. the faith. But yet you're telling me I have a conversion even within the faith. Like, yeah, I believe in Christ. Yeah. I'm, I'm Episcopalian. Mm-hmm. But now I've got this kind of conversion and now I'm non-denominational. What happened in that conversion or what, what struck you there? Yeah, you know, I think so a few things that led up to it um, in high school and just, I was looking for meaning. I was looking for hope. I was, I was interning at a, a recording studio um, when I was in high school and I was like, man, this is great. But all, most of the people, adults were just kind of um, just, yeah, not what I thought adulthood would be. Cause you know, they're complaining They're I thought everybody's going to be happy. It's just sort of like maybe the, uh, the, adolescence uh kind of got removed from like what you know people are uh out you know after college and all that kind of stuff i had really no idea um and i was just like man is this really what life is like the rest of my life is going to be like this is sounds terrible it's like there's really kind of like what's what's the point of it so searching for more and i think um and some of my buddies were uh, you know, non-denominational Christians and like they had a joy and a purpose and something else that I did not have. And, and it took me going to like these different Christian events with them. And then uh, my buddy, Brian, just being, you know, at like the altar call being like, Hey man, you want to, you want to accept Jesus and me being and you know, like, I had that, that burn inside my heart, this kind of tug of like, I think I have to do it. Um, Cause I'm like, I, you know, I'm Episcopalian. Like I believe in God. Like I, I, there's nothing I don't believe in, but then go down to the, you know, to the altar, pray the prayer. But then at that point, I just, it clicked where it's like, God is real. I know God is real. And all of a sudden there's this like, it's kind of like this channel that opened up and this kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I was totally changed. All of a sudden I had hope. I had joy. I was 
like it was a different different person um and and especially through prayer too so it's like yeah just it something changed within me that i i did not do um and all of a sudden again like you can be friends with god Right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we have a special guest, Stephen Davies, uh, who is one of the parishioners at uh, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church here in Anaheim, California. And we're talking a little bit about <clears throat> what does it mean to be a Catholic man? What's our journey as Catholic men? And really something interesting uh, that you brought up, which I think is a, a great um, testament, is that, you know, Stephen, you were telling us a little bit about your conversion. You are telling us how you grew up Episcopalian. <clears throat> you uh, started going to different churches, non-denominational churches with your friends. You started experiencing uh, a different fervor, if we will, for mm-hmm. yeah. your love of Christ. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there's a conversion within from, from one Christian faith to another. And it's mm-hmm. really not that. It's more a conversion for Christ. It's like getting deeper yeah. with Christ, which I love that. I really love that theme because as Catholics, I think sometimes, you know, especially as Catholic guys, well, I'm Catholic, I'll go to church, I do this or that, but we forget that the the term conversion, we always think, oh, somebody converted to the faith, which means that they were a totally different faith or they, mm-hmm. they'd never heard of Christ before and they had a conversion of heart. <clears throat> but the reality is, and I see this for myself all the time, sometimes we get lukewarm or we get, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we just kind of, the faith becomes a little bit dry or we don't really think about it uh, in our daily lives. We're not actively living our faith. We know that we're Catholic, but mm-hmm. we forget that there's got to be a conversion within us, even within going to the same church. A conversion doesn't mean that I'm going to go to a different faith. It really means I'm re- I'm kind of converting back to Christ every time in my heart. Is that pretty mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, I And I see that in myself as well. And I think kind of kind of reminds me of something that my spiritual director says often, um, where it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to pray with our heads and and not with our hearts. And I think that's when you, when I find myself just kind of praying with my thoughts and it's, you know, you could may not even be praying. You're just kind of, you know, in a personal time of prayer and you're just thinking, but it's like, you're actually not talking with God. You're not listening. You're not, you're not, um, yeah, you only like, you know, we're, we have a friend in in Christ, so it's like you're not really being there. And so I think I find with myself, if, if I, it's easy to just kind of like slowly kind of like get lukewarm or just like not have your heart in it as much. Um, and, and yeah, and like if you just go through the motions, you know, it's, yeah, it could get kind of stale or, or just stagnant. Um, and I think, you know, gosh, nothing to everybody. You just reminded me um, literally last night. So normally every night we try to pray the rosary as, as, mm-hmm. as family. we nice. get together probably around, you know, eight o'clock, seven, depending as we're, as we're getting ready for bedtime. Okay. It's lights out. The kids know we're going to sit down. We're going to pray the rosary amidst groans and uh, mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we know it's a long prayer. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting that happened and, you know, everybody kind of settles down, we pray and everybody goes to bed. What's interesting is last night's Holy, Holy Thursday. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um, <clears throat> we're, we're sitting there and we're technically supposed to pray the rosary, but something, something different clicked. It's interesting. You mentioned, you know, praying with your head, praying with your heart or saying the words in your head. And so we were sitting there and we we're talking about, we really just started talking about what Holy Thursday really is. 
Mm -hmm. sat down with my kids like wait a minute what's today you know why are we supposed to pray and and we yeah. and actually we just got into the story of holy thursday it's like nice. what do you know what do we That's remember great. about the mass what's happening today what did jesus do what was the purpose of this what's tomorrow what's easter all yeah. about and so we got into the whole tritium really more than anything awesome. else we started talking about and we didn't even pray the rosary mm -hmm. and the interesting part is that normally for you know any any uh, hardcore catholic like, but you didn't yeah. pray the rosary yeah and exactly and i'm like we actually just prayed probably more now talking about this yeah sharing our story because i could tell my girls were moved and so but why did jesus do yeah. this but then why did this happen and they were into yeah. the story yeah that's I think awesome that they were coming to understand christ more and sometimes I hate to say it, we pray the rosary and it's just kind of like, wait, what mystery am I on? What, yeah, <laughs> what, yeah, exactly. what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. But what do yeah. you, yeah, kind of remind me of that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think obviously all those prayers are fantastic and they're they're good and we should do them. Um, but I think it's just so easy to, again, not not listen to God, like not to be silent, not to hear, not to uh, have gratitude from the heart, thanksgiving from the heart for the things that God has done, has given you and things in your life. I mean, there's, there's so many things that, um, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a relationship, it's a friendship. And, and with our earthly relationships and friendships, like there's something from the heart that's involved. So that it has to be the same with God too. Um, but it's just, it's very easy not to have that. So I think, I think, yeah, anything to, to kind of get the heart moving a little bit with, with God is, is awesome. And it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, all the, all the prayers because you're just reciting, which again is great. And there's, there's the rosary, there's a meditative part to it, but it's like still listening to God and with kids, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's different than like when you're older, but I think it's, yeah, getting them to think about it. And, you know, my oldest is three and a half. So it's like, we're not quite, can't quite yeah, do that as, as well. So uh, we're, we're not there yet, but I think it's for us, when we, when we pray, we're always asking, um, all right, like, what do you want? Who do you want to thank Jesus for? Or what do you want to thank Jesus for? Cause we're trying to cultivate gratitude, which is a movement of the heart towards God. And, and, and really just be like, you know, thank you. Cause they always say like, thank you, Jesus for mama, papa, grams and grandpa. So all I think you're always thanking God for their grandparents and then for each other and going to the park. So it's like having, how can you already at this age cultivate this gratitude this this movement of the heart towards god and and like even you know we'll we have our icon corner and we'll um you know pray there but it's like it's kind of like your experience where they're they're kind of all over the place and they're yeah. um they're not like <laughs> at certain ages you're kind of yes kinda, what do we call it you're hurting cats <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like you can't really ex expect them and you know the first few times it's like oh come on guys but i'm like okay, they're, they're young. And the, the thing that I, I realized and my wife realized is like, you know what, we can, we can set this, um, create this time, this atmosphere and kind of having it around the icon corner, but also we just have to do it. And then eventually they'll come and join us. And, yeah. and so like, they may just be playing in the living room with toys, but like, once we start to pray, like, Oh, mom, dad, are like, you know, doing this and they'll come and they'll join in whatever capacity they can. Um, and even like, say, um, during, you know, the great fast, we, there's the uh, prayer to St. Ephraim or the St. Ephraim prayer. And so within that prayer um, is prostrations. And so we try to, you know, it was something we're like, okay, let's see how this goes. And they, they love doing the prostrations. Um, yeah. 
And it's like, so it's just little things like how do you get them involved? Again, like it's different for me because they're they're so young, but it's like, how do you get them involved with where they are um, as, you know, at their ages and at their capacity to just do anything with prayer? And again, like prayers of that come from the heart or hopefully try to like instill this um, this habit especially of, of Thanksgiving and gratitude. Let me ask you this because you're, you're asking, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned something very important there and we're going to, we're going to touch on it later on in the show. You know, mom and dad go and they set the example. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the kids are doing, but this is what mom and dad are doing. And we forget yeah. that, you know, the kids see everything we do. They hear everything yeah. we say, yeah. even though we think I've realized my wife, we sometimes think we're talking all in code and, and yeah. have a private <laughs> conversation. And then two days later, one of the kids will be like, well, you guys were talking about like, what the, you guys weren't even <laughs> yeah, in the like, room. You know, I didn't even remember yeah. you being there. But mm-hmm. to that point, you, you remind me a little bit or not, keep going and, and let me know a little bit about how did you go from non-denominational to Byzantine? Because that's going to form a lot of the example that you want to set at the house anyway. So wh- what happened there? Where was that switch for you? Yeah, I think that that switch was um, within kind of a similar situation where I was going to these awesome non-denominational churches, fantastic music, fantastic preaching, but I was still lacking something. I was like, there's got to be more. And um, then I started talking with some some people at this uh, non-denominational Christian fellowship in college. And I thought they were just, you know, non-denominational, but they turned out to be Catholic. And then they really kind of challenged my beliefs, but also, um, yeah, kind of opened this door to like, wow, there actually is more. And there was a little bit of, you know, internal struggle with that because you have your preconceived notions of the Catholic church, especially when you're coming from, uh, something non-denominational, um, Do you remember or evangelical. Yeah, I mean, kind of like the typical stuff about Mary, about, you know, mass, about saints, about, you know, um, they don't know their Bible. They, you know, all kind of the, yeah, all the, all the classic stuff. Um, And, but yeah, you know, and for me, I was, when when I was in college, I I studied music technology. So uh, going to liturgy and matins and vespers and all this kind of stuff it's all chanted and so it really kind of spoke to my creative heart uh and then also um the icons like i for for me like i really i love beauty and so that really lifts my heart so if i'm in a beautiful place like our parish annunciation byzantine catholic church i mean it's such a beautiful church and it really kind of fosters and helps you uh kind of orient yourself towards God and, and your and prayers and worships and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's, that's one of the reasons. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to join the Catholic church. It's just more so, you know, I want, let's go Byzantine. Let's do it. Um, so, so that's what I did. Started, when you started talking to these friends who ended up being Catholic, mm-hmm. what part of you said, yeah, gosh, maybe the Catholic church is right. Cause that is kind of a big leap. It's interesting. I mean, maybe not too different from the Episcopal church that you were used mm-hmm. to, but but still a little bit different. I don't know how the Episcopal church handles our lady, how it handles, you know, the, the yeah. um, is it the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist or is it a symbol? How was that a big leap for you? Cause I know that for people who aren't Catholic, they're like, wait, you're eating Jesus. Like what's, the yeah. you know, I think, I think the Eucharist was um, sort of a big leap, but not really because it's interesting. I think with, even within Episcopal church from people that I know, 
some say it's a symbol, some say it's a real presence. So it's like, I don't think there was any clear, concise answer from, from some people. Um, mm -hmm. And even within like going to my grandpa's, uh, grandparents' Episcopal parish versus the home parish that we went to, Episcopal parish, I think there's, there's certainly differences. And so I think it, one of the things is like Catholic church, I mean, it's, it's been there from the start. Um, and, and we have a line of popes, unbroken line. We have the deposit of faith. We have the fullness of faith and the, all this stuff where I'm like, yeah, man, I just want to, I want to get the full thing. I want to get everything. I don't want to have to keep searching and, you know, going through this. I'm like, I just want, yeah, just, just kind of looking for, for a home. Uh, and it definitely have it. It's like, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm 100% glad I, I became Catholic and especially Byzantine Catholic because it, it's such a unique um, expression of our faith and you know especially within a Western culture um, it's it's certainly yeah. different so the Eastern yeah definitely a, a different um, I'm telling I grew up you know in, in the Roman Rite and uh, mm -hmm. the Latin Rite I should say uh, my whole life and I learned I didn't learn about the Eastern Rites we're not, we're not usually taught about the Eastern Rites uh growing up roman catholic and uh, i think i learned about it not until i was after college and then when i learned about it i realized oh wow this is true catholicism but yeah. it's i really like the blend mm -hmm. you know i like all the the roots of the the western uh, yeah. uh catholicism but now it feels complete now that i've uh, you know learned about our eastern root and mm -hmm. the the spirituality the philosophy the, the theology theological approach is really nice you know? but more yeah. when we come back from the break all right well welcome back to virgin most powerful radio you are listening to the dr Lee sandoval show today we're talking about Catholicism, but really we're going to start talking about what does it mean to be a man in Catholicism? What does it mean to be a father in Catholicism? What does this mean in terms of raising our children and whatnot? Before we get into that again, uh, here with my special guest, Stephen Davies from, from our parish, uh, Byzantine Catholic Church, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Anaheim. Just a reminder, so Stephen, you might not know, but our home base here for our studio is actually at uh, the, the historic Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Um, oh, nice. <clears throat> and beautiful chapel for any of our listeners if you haven't visited already. But it's not just, you know, it's not just a, a, a Latin Rite chapel. It's actually home to the Anglican Ordinariate. So the Anglican Ordinariate are Anglican priests, you know, in the Anglican uh, or Episcopal Church. They're allowed to be married, have families and whatnot. But a lot of them have said, gosh, I want to go back to the Catholic Church, but what do I do? I'm a priest. So the Pope John Paul II had opened up and said, hey, you guys can come back and we'll figure things out and we'll keep you as Catholic priests because it's not against uh, the Catholic faith, against uh, doctrine um, to have married Catholic priests. We're just not used to it in the Latin, right? But in the Eastern, right, we're very much used to it. Um, it's also home to Our Lady of Grace as well as Annunciation Malachite. It's a Malachite mission. So we do have Eastern services there at the Sacred Heart Chapel. So if anybody wants to go see that, um, and then Richard, if this is you, you actually received the, uh, you, you're a reader. Now, what people don't remember is back in the day, we used to have different levels of, um, of, shall we say, steps in the Catholic faith, where as people were maybe classically in the seminary, um, you became first an alkalite, you could hold a candle, then you were a reader, and then I believe the third one was actually you were exorcist. And then the next one, I don't recall what it is, but there were these different steps before even the priesthood. 
before even getting to being a deacon, you were ordained these, these different things or you were uh, classified as such. Um, and it says you received a tonsure from Archbishop Cyril Boutros some years ago. Um, that's pretty cool. That's old school Catholic. That's old school Latin Rite Catholic, <laughs> where there were all these different steps. Tonsure was, well, I already have a natural tonsure. They used to clip a, a little bit of your hair there as you were going through. And it, and it really meant different things. I really liked when we used to have these old traditions um, within the Latin Rite because it really meant something, you know, you took these steps and you had to understand almost like the Boy Scouts, you know, you can't just show up and be an Eagle Scout. Like you got to start off with a Cub Scout, you, you got to earn your badges and you got to learn that there's steps before you become, shall we say, a man, really? Like in the Boy Scouts, that's really what Eagle Scouts kind of like you're a Boy Scout man. You're not no longer a Boy Scout, you're an Eagle Scout. <clears throat> and in the Catholic faith, I think we used to have it a lot more with the different steps. Nowadays, it's kind of like, I don't know if it was, you know, going through the uh, um, you know, more inclusive, nicer phase of the church. We get rid of all that because it might be too constrained. But um, the reality is there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said of, hey, there's steps you got to take before you can say that you've reached a certain level, almost like martial arts. You can't just be a black belt when you show up the first day. You know, it sounds great. For us as Catholic men, what does that mean to you, Steve? I mean, you went through different phases in your life. You went through and uh, finally found, hey, I'm going to be Eastern Catholic. At this point, are you married? Are you dating? Where are you at in your in your life? Um, I was uh, single at that point, and then um, I didn't get married until early 30s. So I had my my 20s. Um, you know, a few relationships here and there, um, but it was but it was really yeah. I mean, I think that's um, that's when stuff really started to go deeper. And then I think, um, as well as I think with, with the Catholic church, I think it's, um, especially if you have a spiritual director, uh, there's, there's definitely a emphasis on formation. So I think really like I was formated to be, to be ready to, to enter in my vocation as a married man and now as a father. So it's, I think, um, I don't know if that necessarily, like, I, I have no idea. I don't know if that necessarily would have happened in the same way if I was in, um, you know, the typical Protestant churches. I, I have no idea. And maybe that, that does happen. So, you know, if there are Protestants listening, um, sorry, I have no idea. But I know at least that's what I needed. Um, and that formation happened, especially through um, confession, through uh, holy hours, adoration. Um, so there's so your wife, Melissa, she's a cradle Catholic or no? So she is not, I think when she was, she entered the church when she was eight. So kind of okay. in a sense, cradle Catholic yeah. to a certain. Did yeah, she enter the Byzantine right or the Eastern church? No, or? no. So she's Roman Catholic on paper. So gotcha. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But and yeah, so she, she sorry, what's that? No, go, I was going to, I was wondering. So she's Roman Catholic on paper. Mm -hmm. How does she feel about the Eastern right? Uh, I, I think she loves it. I mean, she didn't hear about it until I introduced it to her. And I think okay. she, she, yeah, she feels very at home with it. Um, and again, she's for her, she's a singer. So she also likes, you know, the, the chant part of it. And I think, you know, as well as the, yeah, just the theology kind of everything we've talked about, she really, you know, embraces it and loves it. And I mean, we, we got married in the Byzantine Catholic church, which is such a beautiful ceremony. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, it just, yeah, it's it's incredible, and they actually call it a crowning, right? Crowning, exactly. So yeah, very different. You know, in the, in the Roman, mm -hmm. you get married, and you gotta make sure you have your tuxedo, and you gotta make sure yeah. you, have your, you know your dress and all that. But but why do they call it a crowning? Why in the Eastern Rite is it is a, a crowning? 
Yeah, so uh, the both the future husband and wife get crowns um, to to mean multiple things. Like basically, you're the king and queen of your household of your your own little domestic church. But then also crowns of martyrdom, like you're dying to yourself for your spouse and for Christ. So it's there's multiple meanings behind it, um, and it's just a it's a beautiful that's yeah, a beautiful ceremony and. Uh, even it's even like the the one thing that's a little bit different too, is like, even at the beginning where the father doesn't walk down the bride. Um, it's like you, the priest leads the the man and the woman down the aisle together, uh, to get married, um, and to, you know, profess their vows. And so it's, it's even a little bit different where it's like, even at that point, um, you're already stepping into this together. Um, you're, okay. you're Pretty cool. walking together. So it's, it's it's a beautiful thing and um yeah it's just and uh, as you do that i think there i think it's psalm 129 that's being chanted mm-hmm. and it's just a beautiful it's it's incredible so it's, it's a beautiful yeah. day my real question for you now <laughs> yeah is when you were going through all this um you know different thoughts of, of faith and different conversion of heart and then going from mm-hmm. non to byzantine and now you're you're byzantine how important was it for you that your wife also share the faith? It was very important. Um, honestly, it was it was a non-negotiable that we had to share the same faith. Um, I had one girlfriend in my 20s that did not share the faith, and that was an absolute disaster. Uh, so I would not recommend that. Um, and it, especially if you're entering into marriage, um, I mean, yeah, you're. it's, it's already going to be difficult, and you're going to want to share that because you know, you're not going to want to go to Sunday liturgy by yourself, or you want to, you want to have that as, as something that brings you together and not just like, okay, well, I'm going to do my church thing and you do your thing. But it's like, you really have to have that. Um, Cause then it aligns with the values. Um, especially if, if, if you are, you believe in, in the moral teachings and the viewpoints of the Catholic church, like that's all important. Cause then that it's not just between you and your wife It's between is now, how do you teach the kids? How do you set the example? I mean, it really, it really is the source of, of everything and, and it stems from it. So if, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't, for me, at least it just would not work out if, um, if we didn't have that, that faith, you know, you know, you know aligned together. It was like when, I, I guess I, I never appreciated what the faith really was or what, I mean. you know, you're growing up and you're growing up in the faith and I can appreciate why people go through like, ah, I'm tired of going to church because my parents go mm-hmm. and whatnot. But once you start understanding the sacramental nature and in, in, in this particular case, marriage, once I started thinking about marriage, that's when it kind of clicked where just like you were saying, it, be, it became a make it or break it for me because I was dating yeah. and it was through dating really more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I dated people who weren't Catholic and whatnot. And I used to think, Oh, you know, it's, it's okay. Cause you believe yeah. what you believe. I believe. But then when I started, you're dating seriously and you're thinking about marriage, it was like, mm-hmm. make, it, make it or break it. Like there's no yeah, way yeah. these are not going to be Catholic. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate that. I think if, if I had been, shall we say formed differently as I was growing mm-hmm. up or, or whatnot, or if somebody would have taken me aside a little bit more and said, Hey, ask yourself what you want in a marriage. My dating life probably would have been different. Like yeah, my, sure. my dating selections would have been different and things of that mm-hmm. versus just, Oh, this is a nice person. And yeah, why don't we go out? You know, it yeah. really became this idea of, no, this is so important that in order to keep a family base together, in order to, to really, what does the faith really mean? And I want mm-hmm. to make sure that my kids have this. And if yeah. my wife and I are on the same page, 
that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Would that yeah, be fair I think, to say for you? Yeah. I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, even thinking about that whole time, again, I think dating and then personal formation, spiritual and, and, oh. you know, just all formation of my, of my person was, was huge because I think, um, if, if say I, I met my wife when I was like 23, would I be ready? Uh, I mean, probably not. I think I had some stuff to work out and, uh, and grow in. And I think through, again, through the sacraments, through, um, community and through friendship, Catholic friends, and through serving as well, all these things, all, it all kind of fell in the place where I was at a point where I was like, all right, Lord, what's my vocation? What do you got for me? Like, I'm, I'm ready. And, and I think even with that, like having to kind of had to do my, some work on my, myself before entering into marriage. Um, and I think that makes, yeah, at least I see it. Like it, it made things probably a little bit easier, or at least like I already had a certain maturity, a certain, um, kind of stuff figured out, worked out, uh, and, and also spiritual maturity to, to, to see how important it is to, you know, to have that faith as the foundation and to have that in common. Because again, like, I mean, thank God it didn't happen, but, um, yeah, if, if say it, it would be, a, it would be a, probably a difficult marriage if we didn't have that, uh, that faith there and then say I got married younger, mm-hmm. it w- would be a different situation. And, thank God that's not the case. But so it's, yeah, I think, um, God's timing kind of worked out and it just, you know, I, I met the people I needed to meet. I, I had the experiences I needed to, in some ways, you know, probably took the the long, hard road in some, some situations, but yeah. Cause you mentioned something, you mentioned something really, really important earlier for our, our, our guy listeners, our male listeners, especially if you're younger, you're not married. What I really want to touch on this point Something very beautiful about the marriage uh, ceremony within the Eastern Rite is that you have the crown. And you mentioned something so important that we don't talk about in our modern world. And I don't know that we talk about it, but you mentioned it was the crown of death. Back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Lee Sandoval Show. And today we're talking about, really more than anything else, Catholic fatherhood. Uh, Catholic manliness, if we will. What does it mean to be a, a Catholic? And really, what does it mean to um, incorporate Catholicism? Once we've found Catholicism, what is it that we're going to be doing to live this out? How are we going to live our faith out? Today, I have a special friend, uh, my, my special friend, my special guest, my friend, <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve, Steve Davies from uh, Annunciation Visiting Catholic Church. Before we went to break, uh, and I, um, we were talking about the idea of once we start to find maturity in our in our faith and we start making decisions life decisions like marriage children families you know there's a level of growth that we have to have um and i think something more than anything else there's a level of um uh shall we say well yeah personal reflection i think that that's where we grow but steve before the break we were talking about in the Byzantine and the Eastern Rite, you have the crowning, and one of the symbols of the crowning is dying to self. Right. Yeah. You mentioned it was a crown mm. of death. Is that pretty fair? Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Yep. 
And so yeah. what does that what does that mean or what does that look like in a marriage really more than anything else? Because I want our, our male listeners especially to think about it. You know, sometimes we think we're going to get married. That means I'm going to have the house. I'm going to have the cars. I'm going to have the kids. And I'm going to have this, you know, picturesque mm-hmm. life. And, and it's going to be wonderful. But really, if we're all of a sudden you're like, wait, where does the death come in? What's that all about? Yeah. And I think it's all wonderful and dying to self where it's what I personally, what I find and where I am in our marriage and in fatherhood, again, like it's, you know, it, my kids are younger, but it's, um, it's always, it's about the little things. It's about, um, putting other people, your wife, your kids, their needs ahead of your own. Um, and the little inconveniences that happen, uh, dying to that and like, uh, and not, it's not about you. So, um, for one example, last night at dinner, um, my son, who is almost two, he had like a fork he wanted to use. And it was, he's like, wash it. Cause it's dirty. Cause I think his, his sister used it. And we just sat down for dinner. I'm hungry. I was like, I just want to eat my food. And so I was like, listen, I'm just going to get you another fork. Cause you know, I don't want to wash right now. I just like get you another fork. Right. I solve the problem. And I'm, <laughs> I want to eat some food cause I'm hungry. It's like, let's just, just, just do that. But then that created this whole thing. And he's like, no, like I, I put the fork in the sink and got a new fork. Then he's like, no, no. And so he's, he's getting upset. And then my wife is like, you know, you have to choose your battles. And like, is it worth, you know, the inconvenience of you washing the fork so he has it? Or or do you want him to kind of have a meltdown because that's where he is? And so it's like, that's a little, a little example of inconvenience to me because I'm like, I just want to eat my food. I want to sit down, relax. And I don't want to have to just get up because I'm about to take another bite of food and, and get up and wash right. a fork because I could easily grab a clean fork and put it there. But he wanted this fork. And it's like those, li- it's all the little things. And that's where holiness is. And that's where love is. It's like the little things that you do for your wife, for your kids that, um, that to me, I feel like are the hardest, like the and big things too, is easy, but it's like, Yeah. Tell me this though, at this point, like, you know, you're already battling with a kid and all of a sudden a wife pipes up uh, and your wife is wonderful. I'm not saying anything about your wife. I'm yeah, yeah. My, my wife's yeah. wonderful too, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> but I'm, as a guy, all of a sudden she pipes up and tells me that. And I was like, really? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, at, at the moment I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was not happy about it. I was like, ah, uh, it's like, yes. Yeah, but I'm like, like, but I already started this battle. I was like, well, we started this. I'm like, we're going through it. But I'm like, all right. I eventually, like I did wash the fork and I gave it to him, but I was, you know, yeah, I wasn't 100% happy, but um, but it kind of. But hey, man, what's the deal? You're the head of your family. How come you didn't take <laughs> it by take it by the bull by the horns and say, "Hey, I'm the dad. I'm the I'm exactly." The man. Yeah. And how dare you tell me what to do? I'm going to clean the fork, and this is the way it's yeah. going to be. And you know, why not yeah. have that conversation? What's up with that? You could, or you could go down the <laughs> route of humility, and or eventually get there of being like, you know what? I think you're right, um, and you know. I'm sorry. Like I should have done it differently. And, and yeah, cause yeah, you can, you can go down that route of, you know, but I, I don't recommend it. Um, but you no, like, no, no, obviously, you know, obviously <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, playing yeah, doubles. Yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. How well that would go. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'd go, go pretty well, but, um, but, but that's very common, you know, for us guys, it's a common reaction because, Hey, am I not the head? Am I not in charge? And yeah. how dare you try to, as my wife, not submit to me and tell me yeah. 
because you're the woman. And I, I hear these conversations all the time. And I mention this because whenever I'm talking to people in couples therapy or things like that, mm-hmm. the man wants to be the man, you know, as we say in society. And yeah. the woman wants to, it gets frustrated. And, and so this is really where Catholicism, based on last week's show as well, what does this mean for us as Catholics? So we can say, I'm Catholic. Yes, I follow the faith. That meant something deep for me. But now this is Catholicism in action. This is when we're yeah. at home. This is, where, this is where we're Catholic, you know. It's like we go yeah. to church to, to listen to the, the, you know, the Word of God and receive the Eucharist and all that. But now we've got a whole week to be Catholic. When we're at home, yeah. nobody sees these little things that are going on. How mm-hmm. am I Catholic when my kids yeah. scream out the fork, my wife is telling me something, and I'm feeling frustrated, but yet I'm the man of the house. So really, yeah. what does it mean to be the man of the house at that point from your perspective? Well, it means um, to serve and to um, also listen. I mean, marriage is a partnership, and like, yes, I, as the man, as the husband, like I'm the, I'm the leader, I'm the spiritual leader, all that kind of stuff. But still, it's like it's not a it's not a dictatorship. It's not a one way street. Like we're we're partners, and in in our like in the crowning ceremony, like we've given um, the vow of obedience to each other. So it's not just the woman submitting, but I'm also you know, submitting, you'd have to look at the the exact terminology, but it's like, I'm laying down my life as Christ laid down his life for the church. So it's like, the death, there's, right? it's a death. So it's the like, there's of death. Exactly. So it's, it's um, in that situation, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm there to serve. Like, I'm not, it, it's also just not loving to be like, well, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do it this yeah. way. And it's like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just not, it's not never going to work out like that. Yeah. And, and this, uh, so, but I think it is, um, it's a death to self. And it's, it's also, again, a partnership. Like we're, we're in a marriage together. We're raising kids together. And I mean, they're, we're bringing both of our, our intellect, our, our wisdom, our experience, our spirituality to the table together to create this family, to create this marriage. So, um, yeah, so it's like not, and a lot of times it's back and forth, this, this kind of, as, as like my wife and I talk about it, like that's where we together uh, figure out, you know, kind of all the, all the details or, and again, like with this fork thing, it's like, I'm, you know, in the moment I wasn't super happy, but I'm glad she, she pointed that out. Cause it's like, it's another reminder of like how to die to self, how to serve, how to love my kids as well. Um, so yeah. It's interesting because that's what I, I try to, you know, when whenever I'm in couples counseling, people talk or want to know about what Catholic marriage is about. And this whole, you know, St. Paul is always kind of chastised because he said, women submit, you know, be submissive to your husbands. But we always forget that part about, hey, you got to love your, your wives the way Christ loved the church, which means you got to be ready to be crucified for your family. And yeah. what I try to remind people is that as a Catholic man, what it means to be the head of my family is not that I'm in charge. It means that mm-hmm. I'm responsible. And that means I'm yeah. responsible for everybody's well-being. And yeah. so that means that I got to be ready to assess what does each person need right now? And are, am mm-hmm. I providing an environment that they're going to be able to grow in love and feel loved? And that's really the responsibility we have, which is, yeah. and part of that, part of that death means I got to be ready to lower myself and listen mm-hmm. to whatever my wife's going to tell me assess the situation with my kid and realize I'm not just because I say something doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. And if I do say something, it better kind of be inspired by God. I better better have had some prayer time or something because I got to realize that my position of authority, if you will, or power is, is going to be very impactful to everybody else. So I better have some responsibility with that and make sure that whatever I say is going to be uplifting and not breaking the family apart because people can look around and go, why are so many families broken? And we got to ask ourselves, where's the dad? What, what happened there? 
Yeah, I think it reminds me of something. Um, so my daughter, her godfather is a Franciscan friar, the renewal. Um, okay. And he said something to to myself and my wife, Melissa, a bunch of times, and he's told it to other couples. And he's like, listen, if anything, the one thing that parents need to do is just love your kids. That will solve so many problems that you have, that people have later on down the road, especially fathers. He's like, I see problems with that people have if the father didn't love their kids or didn't express his love for his kids or didn't look out and look out for them and like stand up for them and teach them how to stand up for themselves. Um, there's, you can't on, on this earth in this earthly life, you can't ever replace a father with something else. You have spiritual fathers, you have friends, all these other good things that help, but you can never replace an earthly father. Um, it's only in heaven where obviously that's fulfilled, but it's like, but it's interesting because just the simple, like, you know, there's so many things we think about for raising kids, but it's like, it, it comes down to the basics of just love your kids and make sure they know that you love them and say that you love them, that you're proud of them. And that will prevent a lot of stuff later down, later down the road for them. And, and a lot of hurt, a lot of whatever it is, but it's like, just again, the basics of like, we just have to love our kids. So it's funny you, you mentioned that because I think in today's society, there's so much one, I think there's a lot of animosity towards anybody of the Christian faith or the Catholic faith mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, there's so many things going on, you know, it doesn't take, it's not hard. You read the news and you see that there's a lot of issues going on, political issues, social mm -hmm. issues. And yeah. somehow <clears throat> people try to blame the church, diminish this church or something along those lines. But at the same time, you know, it's this interesting dichotomy, if you will. Faith is, faith seems to be under attack, probably always. It's probably always mm -hmm. been that way, but I notice it a lot more now. Yeah. At the same time, society is screaming for we want to feel loved and we don't feel included. And, we, you know, everybody wants to feel included in things and, and wants to be noticed and wants to be, you know, probably noticed for our, our gifts. Social mm -hmm. media is all about me. You know, I yeah. got to post about me and me. And because why? How many friends? I have 5,000 friends, really. I mean, I'm not yeah. five friends on social media but yeah. it gives us this feeling but you bring up a really good point do your children feel loved and i think that that's really what the faith mm -hmm. teaches us in order for my children to feel loved it can't be i can't make it about me as a dad yeah. i gotta recognize and say hey i've got to die to myself here in this moment it's not about yeah. my feeling good there's a sacrifice that whether i feel good or not doesn't matter because they need to feel loved right now and i gotta make yeah. that happen yeah would that be pretty fair yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. Um, and I think it's, and making sure you, you say it to them as well. And, and, and again, it's like all, for me, it's like all the little, little things throughout a normal day. It's, it shows that, that you love them and just kind of, again, putting, um, putting them first. And I guess, you know, for me, again, I, I just think of like, you know, instead of taking that sip of coffee, be like, okay, let me get this for you. Let me do that. And, you know, for whatever reason, it comes down to food and, and coffee, but yeah. it's just like, <laughs> well, that's, again, where, the, that's where family life happens, right? <laughs> exactly. But again, it's like the, the little inconveniences where it's like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. We're going to do this. We're going to take care of this for, for you. Or just like, you know, I want to, I need to respond to this email, but like, Hey, it's after dinner. Like I'm going to, let's sit down and read this book or like, let's, let's hang, hang out together. Okay. So it's, there's all these little things of just spending time making sure they're seen they're loved and yeah. you know I think, it comes down to, I think it comes down to 
you know, are we loved? Can we love each other? And until next week, what I want to say is, as Catholic men, let's give that Catholic love.